outside Outside the nine to five Make the cloud rise How the money just multiply On the outside Outside the nine to five Long as I strive Success finna multiply On the outside Alright, I'm hitting that Hit the action button. Let's go. Big episode one, 105, 106, 110. I don't know. But Listen, I, I, we should be better at counting, knowing we're in the financial services industry as a profession. But you know, teach I'm, his own. Teach his own. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big numbers guy, Kev. I'm going to do the intro with us today. Someone I've had the fortunate opportunity to admire from afar for a few years now. He's a lifestyle, fat loss, and fitness coach. Founder of Reach Peak Performance. And what makes his programs unique is the focus of education with a specific design around fasting. That's what he does, but who he is is even more amazing, avid adventurer, entrepreneur, building a lifestyle for himself that is unique. And yes, he does sleep with his mouth taped shut like myself. <laughs> so I know this is going to be a fun one. Welcome to the show. Skylar Deem, I think is that, is that oh, how you yeah. say it? Is yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> love, love the intro. That was, that was fire, man. Good job. Thank you, bro. Thank you. The, I mean, I knew we were going to be best friends as soon as I saw you taping your mouth shut. I was like, he's, <laughs> a, he, he's a weird, he's a weird cat like me. That's it. That's it. I, I, I almost, I almost had my uh, nose strip on this morning too. That's like the mouth tape is like the step level one. And then if you want even more oxygen at night, the level two is getting that nose strip on. I haven't gotten there yet. That's yeah, intense. Yeah. I got to ask you what, what kind of tape you use Skylar, because I, I swear I saw Colton was going to bed one night and I had to ask him a question. He opens his door. He's got duct tape across mm -hmm. his mouth and he's got his <laughs> mouth guard underneath. So yeah. I was like, yeah, I keep a, like a scene from taken. <laughs> it's, it's just like a medical tape. It's, I mean, it's like 10 bucks a roll and you get probably about 30 days out of the roll, but it's just like a blue medical tape. If I don't know if you're, pro you're posting the video or just the audio, but it doesn't rip out my mustache hairs, like super simple to use and it works. Beautiful. Yeah, you we're taking not notes, Colton. Well, <laughs> I I'm definitely not taking notes. I like to punish myself with the tape, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> we do not, uh, Skylar, we do not have the ability to publish this. I'm sure we could, but, you know, given Kevin and I's tech savviness, it's not something we're we're at the level to do yet to do yet so i'll let everyone just imagine the the mustache it's phenomenal it's phenomenal thank you um dude it's crazy for me like how powerful social media can be like we met through a coaching group two years back and like not only have we stayed relatively in constant contact like i would say we probably talk once a week just through ig if not a text but then I go in out to Arizona and I see you and it's just cool to me. Like I, I hit on this with someone else that we were just catching up with and doing a recording with, but it's like, not only can you meet cool people through technology, but you can build like a pretty serious relationship. Like I would reach out to you for, for advice. And like, I'm sure you would do the same with me. Like, I don't know. It's pretty, pretty wild. It's crazy, bro. It's, it's so funny that you bring this up now. Cause in about two weeks, I'm heading out to Denver to go to a really good friend's wedding. Yeah. And it's legitimately my first time meeting him in person. Like I'm invited to his wedding because we built such a strong relationship online, but I've never had the chance to actually meet him in person. That's so badass. I, I totally agree, man. Like the opportunity is insane, especially because like social media does a really good job at you feel like you're connected in each other's lives. Because like when I post stuff, you see what I'm doing. When you post stuff, I see what you're doing. And then it allows the opportunity for us to connect more over certain things, which clearly we've done. So it's, I, 
super cool. And I think you have a unique lens though on social too, where, you know, it's a part of your, how you build your business where some people, they use it for essentially zero productivity purposes, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, I would even argue, I don't nearly use it as much as you do from a business perspective. Like the only thing I really do is talk about my life and like by consequence of that, people hopefully listen to the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm battling it right now. You know, it's, I always think about like, they legitimately have entire departments dedicated to how can we keep people as addicted to this as possible. So like, I'm definitely on it more than I should be, but I'm also making steps. I just deleted TikTok. Like I was, I was like I, so many people, man, for, from a content standpoint, they're like, TikTok is the way to, you gotta, you gotta be on TikTok. And I was, I fell into that for so long until I just realized like the payoff is not worth the time spent on it every single day. And like just the mind numbingness of scrolling every, you know, 10 to 60 seconds over and over and over and over. So it's, it's tough. It's because it is engineered to just like dopamine, 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 to be able to not feel the need to just grab my phone every time I have a second to spare. Like huh. it's just, it's an interesting battle. Yeah. Because you do need to be on it. So that's like, that's a, that's probably an interesting line to, to try and balance, like balance for me, 0% of my income today and very similar to Kevin, 0% of our income comes from being on social media. So like throughout a 10, 12 hour workday, I, I don't need to touch that thing at all. Right. Um, so I kind of want to, I do want to get into health and some health and fitness stuff. Cause that's how we introduced you. But for us, I think we, we, we love talking about business. Um, and I would argue from my lens and what I get to see from other people who are trying to go down a similar path as you, you're probably two to three years ahead of what most people do when they're trying to get in the online coaching space, like with your knowledge, your content and the programs you're developing. But I do, we looked at your LinkedIn, bro. We looked at your LinkedIn. We did our oh, research. <laughs> Oh no, dude. I haven't been on that thing in years. No, it's great, dude. It's great. Um, so you grew up in New Jersey and then you got an accounting degree. And what's fascinating is you went to a big four consulting firm. Like from my standpoint, if you're graduating college, accounting degree, big four consulting firm, I'd make the 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 case that from a societal context perspective, you were you were going the right direction. And I'm curious to know before we dive down to where your business is today, like what made you ultimately look for another route? Yeah. So I, I, you mentioned like you, you're a math guy. I forget if you're recording at that point. I'm also a math guy. Love, like love math, love numbers. Algebra was my favorite class in high school. And so when it was time to choose, like what college do I go to? What am I going to study? It was less of like, this is what I want to do. And more of like, I'm, I have to go to college. It's just, like it's a requirement quote by society. So what am I going to do? So it's more of like a casual decision of, well, I like numbers. Accounting could give me a stable job. And so that's pretty much all I need to commit to that degree. Um, well, within a month of starting that first job, maybe two, it was like, nope, not doing this for the rest of my life. Like between the busy season, we were there for a couple months out of the year over 12 hours a day, like sometimes past 10, 11, midnight, a few nights. Um, and just like the, there's no windows in the building I worked at. And oh. all my coworkers were, whether they'd been there for a year more than me or like 10 years more than me, none of them were happy. Most of them were out of shape. 
And I just like looked around and kind of internally did a judgment of like, is this something that I wanted to do? And the answer was clearly no. Um, so yeah, from there it was kind of a choppy road and I stayed there probably another eight to 10 months after I made that decision that I didn't want to be in that job, but it was just like, there's, there's just something more, right? Like I'm meant for more. I can't just settle and come to work and drag my heels through every Monday through Friday for the rest of my life. Like, I just can't do it. Yeah. That's a, that's a very tough position to be in. And I feel like it's a way more common position that people find themselves in today, because of course, you know, if you've, you have parents that have gone to college, the assumption is you're going to go to college, you get this degree. If you do well, you graduate and you get a a good paying job, whether it be, you know, big four accounting, or if you're finance, maybe it's at a big bank in New York, uh, places pay well. So from the outside perspective, it's like everything's going the right direction. But of course, you know, you found yourself in a position where you look forward and you're like, oh, well, I don't want my life to look like that. And, you know, I don't want to continue to work an obscene amount of hours a week. So my, I guess my question I'm getting at is that eight to 10 months that you said was choppy after that, what did that look like? Because I feel like that's the hardest part for most people. It's like, okay, I realize this isn't what I want to do, but how do I, you know, what do I, what do I do next? Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. So I always knew I was in the health. And for some reason, when I was choosing what I wanted to go for, go to school for, it was like personal trainer popped into my mind, but for, I just didn't like the industry. I just had all these stories of like what a personal trainer was. And so I would just like shove that out. I was like, no, that's, that's not going to be the industry I go into. Um, but I did always have an extreme, like I started lifting when I was probably 14, 15 years old and just that became a massive passion. And then the last year of college or so I started really learning about nutrition, getting excited about that. Um, so when I made that decision, like this isn't what my life is going to be like, I actually had a buddy who had dropped out of college his junior year and he was abroad in Australia. He met this guy who was an entrepreneur and he basically was just like, I'm going all in on this. And he was going for an engineering degree at the time. His friends were calling him stupid because he had one more year to go. Like, why not just finish up and then you can maybe try it, but then you have something to fall back on. And he was just like, no, like I'm, I'm, I know I don't want to do this. Seeing that this lifestyle, that it's real, that you can build a business and can live your life through that. Like, that's what I want to do. Dropped out of school first few years or maybe like first year or so was Rocky road. And then within the next year or two, he had a multi-million dollar business and like the guy's super successful today, travels the world, just like thriving in every sense of the word. And so it was cool because I had started that job. And even though I came from a town and a family and uh, environment where I didn't really see success, like everyone in my hometown, my parents, everyone were just hardworking people. And I didn't really understand what was possible as an entrepreneur. Like, I don't think I knew any millionaires growing up. Um, I was able to see my friend do that. And it kind of broke that glass ceiling for me of like, what is possible? What, what can I do? Um, so I talked to him a few times about what he was doing and he wasn't in the health space, but he had an online business. So he was teaching me a little bit about it. And, um, one of the beliefs that I had at the time was like, this is going to be easy. Like the way he <laughs> laid it out of like, all you got to do, man, you got to build a funnel. You got to basically create content. And within like a few months, you'll be a millionaire. 
It's like, this is great, man. Um, <laughs> clearly uh, that didn't happen. But during, I would say probably like six, six months while like the last six months that I was working at that company, I was working on the side on a business. Um, and that really didn't go anywhere at that time, but it was, you know, getting up 4am so I could work out, I could work on the business and then I could get to work. And then especially during busy season, when we would get home, like 9pm, it was like, go to bed, repeat it the next day. So it was like the last few months I was there, it was definitely like locked in, like, this is what I'm going to do. This is a decision. And it wasn't always perfect. It didn't really go very smooth, but it was more like doing what it took at that time to make it a priority and to make it happen, if that makes sense. And it's funny, the the beginning of that answer to me seems like the nugget of everything you just said. And the word I have highlighted next to me is all in because you think I even experienced this a little bit with myself, like trying to do real estate on the side of this finance job that I love. I was, I was not even a 10% into real estate to think that I could outperform someone in real estate that I was giving 10% of my energy to. It's like, we're big for Sella fans on this podcast. I'd argue he's almost my father, (laughs) but (laughs) not by blood, (laughs) not by blood, obviously. Um, But we always talk about, he, he has that podcast. He's talked about it a ton burn the ships, burn the boats, right? Like your only option is to succeed. And I think that gives you a lot of drive to move forward. I'm curious, when you were building or thinking about making that move, A, did you tell your parents? And if you did, how did they take it? I I had told them, I told my mom a little bit in terms of like, this is what I want to do. And then because I had an Instagram at the time and I was doing like all these blog posts and all that stuff, um, she was kind of clued in to that. And dude, I I come from a very traditional family and uh, my dad actually did own a business when I was younger and it went out of business. So there was like some tough financial times at that point in my life. So her response came from a lot of fear of like, no, like you can't leave this accounting job. You have a stable job. You're guaranteed an income pretty much. You're guaranteed experience that can take you pretty much wherever you want. Like the risk of doing this is not worth it, basically. Um, So that was something I had to deal with as I was starting it. And especially like once I left the job and for the first few years after that, even like I wasn't profitable, I had to get part-time jobs, all that stuff. Um, But she was kind of always in my ear of like, you got to go back to accounting. You should go back to accounting, back to accounting, um, which it was coming from a good place, right? Like she wanted the best for me. She didn't want to worry. She just wanted to make sure I was set. And, you know, but that, that was something I had to go through. What about your father? Um, he is, we have like a very interesting relationship. He's pretty distant. Like he's in my life. Sure. He's, he's there. You're but speaking. It's like, You're- <laughs> Yeah, speaking your language. Well, yeah, the pretty common between between the thread of three on here. Yeah, I'm probably I probably have the most distance <laughs> relationship. Yeah, I, I I just yeah, me and my father don't have a relationship. I haven't I haven't talked to him in like four years, but um, yeah, so we can we can relate to at different degrees, of course, yeah. um, of relationship there. And but sorry, cut you off mid mid uh mid explanation there. No, I, where was I going with that? I think <laughs> you were, I guess you were just saying that your dad, your it sounded like your dad is more of an observational type. Of, yes. 
Yes. Yes. Yes. Like he, he taught me so much growing up and like, I'm very grateful for him. Um, we just like, it's just like, he, he lets me be, you know, in my own way. And it's just like, there's nothing wrong between us. If that makes sense. Let's uh, let me ask you something. I I was going to deliver this question a different way, but now what you just mentioned, we always kind of play around or toy around with the idea because Kevin and I candidly are, are in a corporate environment or to, to some extent, like we're in a more traditional path when it comes to how we make money and the business route we're on. But when we talk to people that are building businesses outside of that traditional structure, it's this interesting uh, dynamic between building a, a business around your passion and not doing that, right? Because sometimes that passion, then you end up not even loving anymore. And for me, after the way you just delivered that question about what you were hearing from your mom and maybe some of the other people closer to you, I wonder if your love for that entity of fitness gave you enough to just push through that initial backing. Because I I almost want to pose the question to you. Do you believe that you should create a business around your passion? And if you do, is the way you started it kind of a reason for that? I think you have to be a very specific type of person. Um, So I don't think that my, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think it was my love of fitness that kept me going. It was more like I had cut off all other possibilities. Like when I left that accounting job and I actually got, it was like a very interesting situation, but I decided to leave. Um, Uh, Don't get, you're not getting away that easy. (laughs) Explain, explain that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Just a a little bit. Explain that. I'll quickly explain it. So um, basically when I started that job, I was like a top performer, like just did extremely well. And then as I started working on this business on the side, And I started like more and more being pulled to what entrepreneurship could be like and whatnot. Like my performance dropped plain and simple. Like I knew I didn't want to do it for the rest of my life. And so it was difficult for me to show up and to, you know, especially during the busy season. Um, So there's basically just like a quick point at the last week that I worked there. And I I wasn't planning on leaving that soon. Like my plan was get financially stable and then I can leave Mm -hmm. where um, I had a performance meeting just like a yearly review. And she basically just straight up told me like, you, you started off strong. You haven't been performing to the level that like we're used to, like, do you even want to be here? I think that's the exact language she used. And like instinct was lie. And just like, cause I, I want to be financially set. Like I'll stick around, but I just like, couldn't, I was like, honestly, no, like I'm working on this business. I, this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, And so they basically struck a deal with me. They're like, look, we're not going to let you go because like you are an asset and you, when you perform, you perform well. So they were like, look, if you, um, if you decide to leave, we'll give you double of your PTO and we'll pay you for, I think like the rest of the month or something. So it ended up being like a full month salary. So at that point, I still had that idea that business was going to be a little bit more easy than I thought. So it was like, this is handed into my lap. Like it's perfect. Cause I have a month covered and I can go focus on what I want to do. Um, so yeah, so it was like, it wasn't bad terms. Like it was just mm-hmm. very uh, amicable split up. No bird, no bridges were burned, I'd say. Um, but it was like a, a little push. 
just a little push of like, is this, if, if you want this, like, are you going to make the decision that you need to in this moment? Um, so yeah. What was the other question? Yeah. Now I distracted you from the actual (laughs) question, but it's funny. I just want to say it's funny how many people get sucked, just sucked into the corporate environment because they lie in that situation. Right. Yeah. That was it. I, I couldn't, I just couldn't like, he asked me it and we were out to, we were actually out at a restaurant when he asked, cause we did all the performance meetings like at events. And I just like, I remember sitting there and just, I was just thinking about it. I was like, no, I, I can't lie in this situation. Like I need to, I need to just be honest about what's going on. Your self-awareness and confidence there at that age is unbelievably ad- admirable, bro. Because to catch point, Imagine your life trajectory difference in that instant moment if you take the alternative yep. approach. Yep. Wild. Dude, because I don't like leaving a job unless like I was completely financially set, which would have taken a long, like years mm-hmm. after that. I don't think I would have had the courage to go out of my way to leave that job. Like I don't. Which is crazy because it was like that one moment. It's like you either decide now and you make this change or you're going to be stuck here for a couple more years. That's powerful, though. That's powerful, though. So did you answer? I might have missed it, but you're telling me back back to the question about fitness and passion. That was just the easiest route to explore entrepreneurship is what you're saying. If I heard Yeah, so I actually when I started things off, I was really getting into just personal development as a whole. And so rather than start in the fitness, because I still had that belief for some reason, and it's so, so interesting, but like, I still was like, I don't want to work in fitness. I don't want to be a personal trainer, any of that stuff. So I started off with uh, focusing on morning routines and having that be what I wanted to coach people in is like, how do you start your day off? Right. How do you set yourself up for success during the rest of the day? Um, So when I was going and, and when it got hard, it was less about the my love for fitness or my love for morning routines at the time and it was more about just like i had made that commitment i'm not going back to an office job like there's no other way out of this i guess do or die pretty much and honestly i don't think it really matters where you start right like with any business or or entity that started i mean i look at my company specifically the product we started with 50 years ago doesn't even exist today right so it's like you initially just have to get started and get that forward momentum and kind of where that takes you, it takes you. Cause now you're very, fu- I mean, you are a fitness, co- like you are a fitness coach. There's no other way around it. Um, and before we get into the business side of things, cause I think that context was amazing. I, this is more just a personal question for me and some of the things that I've experienced in life in the last year, how important was it for you to leave where you grew up? That's a good question, man. Um, I would say, it, it was very important. So I kind of had phases. So I grew up in New Jersey and then I went to school in Connecticut and I'd say about like two to three years of working on building my business was out in Connecticut and it was, it was fine, but I got to tell you, man, as soon as I made the move out here, like that's when life really started to change. It's just, it's different not being surrounded by the people you were surrounded with and like your quote old life. Cause like when you want to do something new, you, it, it really is. And that's been a big theme of my life too, is like 
I have to develop myself before I can develop my business. Like I can try to develop the business all I want, but if I don't develop myself, it's probably not going to go very far. And so like moving to Arizona gave me that opportunity to build and create more of like a new life that allowed me to start to think differently, act differently, be differently, which made a change in how the business turned out. And this is, (laughs) even if you're within a couple hours of where you grew up, bro, or Connecticut, three hours, like Penn State personally for me, four hours, you're still close, bro. You're still real close. Like that's a weekend trip home, you know? Um, Yeah. No, I was just curious. That was literally specifically a personal question for me because I, I, I feel like I, I hear you on that because I've seen a lot of change in you in the last two years. When we first started talking, I think you were out in Cali, right? Or was that? Or, uh, no, or I was, you, in, I was in you were in Arizona. Yeah. Um. So let's get into the 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 business a little bit, and more specifically, I guess maybe let's go down the route of discussing health and nutrition. Sure. Um. Why did you go down the route of almost seemingly having a niche and focusing on? focusing on fasting maybe as a way to, to start coaching and educating people in an industry I would argue is pretty, pretty saturated. It seems like. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good question, man. And kind of what you just said, like it evolved, like it didn't start off that way. Um, Even when I got into weight loss coaching, my first strategy was not fasting. Like it was, Hey, we're going to find whatever strategy works best for you. And that was basically like my focus with all my content, with my sales pitch, everything like that. Um, And then I found fasting in my own life back in 2017, I think. And that evolved from just like straight up intermittent fasting, which is what most people are aware of, into more extended fasting, which depending on if you've heard of it or not, like doing a 24, 36, 48 hour fast may sound insane but we have clients doing it pretty much every week. Um, so when I started getting more into that and I also saw the power of it, like, cause I could go down the rabbit hole of fasting of the insane amount of ways that it makes your life better. The insane amount of ways that it makes weight loss easier compared to every other diet or eating strategy out there. But for me, that was the biggest thing is like, I had done it so many times and I loved it. And I was like, this just from, from a behavioral standpoint, from a psychology standpoint, from a habit standpoint, like this makes sense to me as the easiest way to lose weight. And so if we're going to do it, might as well do it like like niche down more specifically, you know? Um, And it was, I, I forget the exact progression, but I can tell you that I had some of my clients fasting before fasting was even part of my marketing. Like I kind of, it helped me see that they were having success with it to be able to dial it in and focus that as my content. Yeah. So could you elaborate a little bit more for maybe some of the people listening about the benefits and why you found it so successful for yourself? Yeah. So when, when you look at pretty much every other diet or eating strategy, like the first and foremost thing is there's some set of rules around the food you eat. Like there's some mm-hmm. set of rules of like, you have, you can't eat this or you have to eat this. Fasting is the one thing where it doesn't give you that set of rules. 
And so it gives you like a head start before you change your eating strategy. Cause you can't just eat like crap every day and fast and expect to feel good and get good results. But it's, it's like a layer on top of that. Cause once you change an eating strategy that, and you find something that works best for you of types of foods, diet, whatever it is. And then you add fasting on top of that, it's even more, but in terms of how the body responds. So if you're going to do like a standard diet where you cut calories, whether you're counting them or not, but you just have less calories, you, you, Mm -hmm. you aim to be in a calorie deficit. They've done studies on this. And as you drop weight, your metabolism drops with it as well. Right. So like the biggest study was the biggest loser contestants. They followed up with them like Mm -hmm. five years later, all of them were gaining weight. Um, All of them were still working out like 80 minutes a day and they were still in an insane low calorie diet and they were still gaining weight just because like their body was not, it was like, I can't do this anymore. I, I need to put on some fat. I need to be consuming more food. Like, just very difficult for them to keep off with fasting. It puts your body into a state where as you drop weight, your metabolism actually goes up. And so so from a, from a, like a very logical standpoint, if you think about it hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, we weren't eating three meals a day. We weren't able to go to our kitchen cabinet to grab food. And so our bodies from a physiological standpoint have adapted really, really well to that. Yeah, that's so that's such an interesting, it's kind of like a counterintuitive result, right? Because if you're not eating, you would you would think, right, that your metabolism, your body would slow its metabolism down to adapt for that, you know, less amount of calories coming in. Well, typically what's typically what's the, the yeah, I was just gonna say, what's the what's the maybe mechanism at work there or Typically, when you're in a standard calorie cutting diet, like you're eating pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. And so your body typically always has food sources to tap into. And Got so it. what happens when you fast is your body doesn't have this food to work through anymore. So it's like, okay, my stomach's empty. I don't have like, what do I use? So it switches over to using body fat, mm-hmm. which is like, if you've ever heard of the keto diet, that's one of the reasons people do so well on keto is because they go into ketosis. So they start using fat for fuel instead of food. And so, yeah, basically with fasting, it puts you in that state where like you don't have food to work through. So your body switches over and it starts burning body fat for fuel. And if you've ever been in ketosis or anyone listening to this has been in ketosis, like you feel really, really good while you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. What are the, what are some of the biggest misconceptions do you see people starting out with uh, when they explore some of the things you coach from a fasting perspective? Like mistakes they make or miss like misinformation? mental, almost mental. Like what are some of the biggest hurdles they mentally have to get over? I can imagine the first one being that your stereotype that breakfast is the most important meal of the deal the day. Go get those Cheerios and reduce your cholesterol. That's, that's a big one. That is a big one. <laughs> I'd, I'd say the biggest, and this is just from speaking to so many people about it at this point is I've heard this so many times, like I would never not be able to eat for 24 hours. I could never do that. And like most people have this idea because they've probably been hangry in the past. They maybe missed a meal and like, they've really felt it that it's going to be this super hard thing that they just have to like suffer through and their stomach's going to hurt and they're going to be tired and grumpy which you can be, you can be, if you don't set yourself up for success, if you're not eating the right foods before and after, if you're not drinking enough water, having other supplements throughout your fast. But for the most part, it's like that mental hurdle of 
even being able to not eat for 24 hours, 36 hours or longer. And you know, something that you have published a lot on Instagram, <clears throat> maybe, and maybe I've seen other people publish it too, but when you consider what the body, you know, you look at your cal- caloric intake for a week, let's say, imagine how many more calories you have within a six day time period if you fast for 24 hours. Yep. Right. Like just in a simplistic term, you're going to, in theory, eat less because you're not eating for 24 hours of, you know, a seven day week. So naturally you're probably going to see results maybe a little quicker than someone that's doing a standard diet. hundred percent. And like on top of that, cause it's always, there's always stacks. There's always layers. Like on top of that, if you cut out a day, you're cutting out all these calories you're also giving your body the opportunity to burn more fat. So rather than like taking away muscle or anything like that, but then also you're like pretty much most of pretty much all of my clients I'd say, and including myself is when you come off a fast, you think you're going to be ravenous and you think that you can demolish everything in sight. But if you do it right, you're actually less hungry. Like you fill up a lot more quickly than if you were just consistently eating. So whereas like your first meal after your fast would normally be, you know, a thousand calories, let's say you could have 700 calories and feel full and feel satisfied and then wait till the next meal. Your, so your, like, your stomach's a muscle, right? Am I wrong about that? Uh, is, it, is it not a muscle? God, dude. When, <laughs> it would, not, it make sense though. I joked about uh, us being numbers people. So we're absolutely not. <laughs> Similarly, we're not science people either. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, so I was saying like your stomach probably shrinks a little bit. Like there's got to be some sort of, I mean, this is all. Well, gross. I mean, it's just a capacity issue, right? You can, only, you, can only, you can only take in so much food, right? In one sitting. Um, and so, yeah, I mean. That's just a, a volume issue. You can only fill a glass of water so so full yeah. before it starts to overflow. I, w- I would say too, like, I, I think there is something about your stomach shrinking. That might be bro science, but we're yeah. here for it. We're here <laughs> for it. There's always that. Like, if you're going to go to a buffet, if you heard this, just like, if you want to eat as much as possible, you should have a couple small meals before. You shouldn't starve yourself right before. Because yeah, I think the stomach does shrink. Hmm. So I, I do want to, I love talking nutrition, Kevin. We haven't talked about it for so long, bro. I, I know, Skyler. When we were training for the Ironman last year, I feel like every podcast we did was about like a caloric intake to you know for yeah to train for some six hour like event or day of training. But I'm happy we're kind of getting into it today. I want to ask, um, playing a little bit of devil's advocate on your business structure or, you know, what you ultimately sell, right? Where you're in a sales business. Um, what makes you think you're credentialized enough to, to coach people on this? Experience, bro. That's it. I, I'd argue like the, the big debate is like, well, I don't have a degree. I'm not, I'm not even technically certified mm-hmm. as a personal trainer. But when I got my accounting degree, I studied for it for four years in school. And as soon as school was done, I stopped studying and I learned what I needed to in my job. Like if we had certain things, but there was no sort of continued education after that point. Whereas fitness, which is something I'm insanely passionate about. It's like, I'm never done studying it. I'm still reading books. I'm still listening to podcasts. I'm still reading articles. Like 
it's because it's a passion of mine. I'd argue that I'm more educated than a lot of people who just like go to school and get a degree for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's practical application versus reading, reading books. I mean, the biggest example is hire an MBA to, you know, run your business and they'll ruin your business in a day. I think Elon Musk said that. So it's, yeah. How do you overcome that though? Because I would imagine that that might be a very common objection or something that causes some, maybe some negative self-talk or some self-doubts around, okay, well, I don't have a credential. So maybe from the outside, people don't think I know what I'm talking about or, you know, yeah, look at so yourself. Yeah. God, you, you'd be surprised. I don't think I've ever gotten a objection of like, well, are you, <clears throat> I don't think I've ever had anyone ask if I have mm. credentials or what my back, a couple of people have asked like, what's your background? Like, what, how long have you been doing this? Something like mm. that. Um, people see the results I get and they hear, you know, whether they're coming from my YouTube channel, hear me talking about nutrition. And I think most people can tell that I know what I'm talking about. When I first started, that was a sticking point, especially during my sales calls is I didn't feel confident enough. It was like, can I really help this person? And I didn't want to be out of alignment and sell someone that I didn't know I could help. So there's this like lack of confidence of being able to sell my program. And I think that was one of the things that held me back for a long time, but it was just kind of those things. One of those things I slowly chipped away at It's like, I got one client and he got really good results and it was like, okay, I think I can do this. And then the next client got really good results. It's like, okay, I can definitely do this. Gotcha. And so that's I, how you got over. That's how you got over that. It was yeah. Just it was more just practical like application. Mm-hmm. Basically continuing to put myself out there and, and do my best to move forward. And then like the more I had these wins and successes, like being able to focus in on them and say, okay, like I, I can do this. But it's also like the study of your craft, bro. For, for me, a belief allows you to sell. And that's why some of the best people in my organization, which is sales focused, are the older folks, right? Because they have so much education and they have so many results. You can't argue with results, right? To your point. Um, and I remember our conversation, it was about sales like two years ago. And I, I do even hear, I, I do remember that conversation, just like it, it was almost a little bit of lack of self of belief. So I think the amount you study um, really helps you with that. And then the other thing I would say, which is probably why you don't get this question as much anymore. Your content is so goddamn good, bro. And that mm-hmm. really does, I think, validate you. If you think about the way you market yourself. People probably have seen your content before they even walk walk in to talk to you. And it's like, okay, he's given me great information for however long I've followed him. I want to take it to the next level, right? So they already know about you and how, how, how much knowledge and experience you have. That's spot on. Yeah. I've had people say pretty much that is like, I followed you for a long time and I'm, I'm ready to get to work. I'm ready to commit to a program. So that's awesome. Um, I, I have a little bit more of a question relating to the business side mm-hmm. of, of coaching people, right? So with coaching businesses in general, you have this inevitable scale issue, right? Because there's only one of you and you have only so many hours in the day. And if your product is to be coaching people one-on-one, then inevitably that, you know, so, some you hit a you hit a tipping point right where you know you have you you level out on growth and you got to solve for that scale issue so i'm just curious have you thought about that do you have any potential 
maybe solutions if you already solved the issue uh, for the time being? That's literally exactly where I'm at. Is like, oh, okay. I'm, yeah. So I'm, I'm at the point where I am hitting my bandwidth. I don't want to say I'm at my bandwidth because I'm not burning out or anything, but I can feel myself. Like if I bring on a couple more clients, I could feel it turning into burnout pretty quickly. Hmm. Um, just because I really do value the one-on-one work I have with people. Like I, I the one-on-one calls is where most of the work is done. Like I have a group call every week and people hop on there and those are great. But like the true breakthroughs, the calls where people are crying, like that's the stuff that really has only been able to happen on one-on-one calls so far. So I'm kind of brainstorming a couple of ways to do it. Um, one option is to hire a new coach and just mm-hmm. have them working under me. My roadblock with that, my speed bump with that is I obviously need them to be educated and and high quality coach because coaching really, like, even if you have the education side, there is an art to coaching. Like Behavior. it's very different than just like showing up and telling people what to do or like there's, there's, there's just, it takes, it takes a skill that needs to be developed just like anything else. Um, so that's one roadblock. That's one route I'm thinking of taking. Um, I've also kind of switched my offer to, so I'm currently one-on-one calls are happening every week and I've bumped them down to every other week and I'm considering doubling up on the group calls. So two group calls instead of one. Um, I'm not, I'm at the point where I don't want to give up because I know a lot of fitness coaches who do uh, hybrid. So they have a course, which I have a course as well. But then instead of any one-on-one, they just do group calls and then maybe like one one-on-one throughout the program. And like, I can't do that. I, I just can't like as, as good as that would be for my schedule. I just know that my students' results would be sacrificed in that process. And I just, I can't do that. So um, just testing out, like if I lower the one-on-ones to every other week, if I up the group calls, like how can I, how are people's results going to be different and how can I navigate that? Um, but it's a question I've been asking because it's a good question. Cause at the end of the day, like there's solutions, but are they going to sacrifice the results that, the people I work with see. And if yes, it's like, I don't really want to go down that route yet. Um, and then the other option, which would allow me to keep everything the same would just be raising my prices is just be able to take on less people for the same amount of money and be able to navigate that. But yeah, scale, scale is an issue for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I think it sounds like we, you know, you, you seem pretty similar to me in terms of my mindset of like, I don't ever want to sacrifice on service for the improvement of scale, right? Because then you watered you're watering down your product. So there's ways to do it. And you mentioned it, mentioned a couple. Um, but yeah, that's just an interesting. I mean, as a financial advisor, we have the same, we have the same issue. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, we we have a very personalized service. There's only so many people we can handle on a daily basis. And of course, if you bring in somebody new, the education piece is one aspect, but just like coaching in terms of fitness, I mean, finance is the same thing. It's it's very behavioral, right? Yeah. Um, I think to your point, that's probably why fasting is a is such a great strategy. Is you can you can kind of start to control for some of that behavior there. Definitely. Um, but yeah, very, very interesting aspect in, in terms of business of you see a lot of coaches solve for that and just having the the very 
plain vanilla plans that they just throw out there an ebook or something along those lines and it it almost waters down their product to a point where it's like yeah it's doesn't really seem that great yeah so. agreed. Agreed, what, what's what's alex ramosi say about it oh man that's I mean, where that that's who i would <laughs> use as, as the yeah answer. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I just, I don't know, this this solution popped in my head, so I'll mention it here, take it for what it's worth. But I think what would be unique is if you were bringing on someone, make them work with you for three months. Like they would deliver the product that you would hope they deliver to your students today to you. I don't know. Uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. One, one, uh, one thing that my fiance did was she started nutrition coaching and she started with a, a mentor. And so they would mentor, she would mentor her into a point and refer her clients and she would pay her mentor, a, you know, fixed fee for those clients. Cool. Um, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of ways to slice that bread, of course, yeah. just finding the one that that fits the best for you and, and your business. We're talking um, about keto, dude. We don't do bread. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no carbs, no carbs. Oh. <laughs> uh, can we can we talk about just again? I don't know how how in depth we want to go here, but I, I'm curious what made you confident to start doing your. I mean, for me, I see two two avenues that a lot of people go to when they start to build a coaching business around fitness. One is they started a gym, maybe a big gym. They bring on clients and then they transition it. You almost took the alternate route where you started publishing and distributing content mm-hmm. through social media and now you're building a youtube channel like is that just a consequence of where you were when you were with the accounting firm like that was the easier route to go yeah i'd say so and especially because the friend i knew who started the business like his was all online and he just immediately sold me on how much better it was from a lifestyle perspective like i'm not tied down to a box gym i don't have to drive and show up at work at a certain time like i have calls i have commitments but Technically, I could really take them from anywhere as long as I have internet. Um, so that was the route I went. And then I just started to really love creating content and, you know, growing the YouTube channel has been fun. So it was more, it just made sense from what I wanted. And your content's getting ever better, bro. Where it's like people think, <laughs> I've heard people say they want to just start posting Instagram or starting podcasts and expect it to be this like overnight thing where it's results, results, results. I mean, just speaking to Kevin, and I, we have disconnected so heavily from viewership or listenings on the podcast. And I think that's helped us remain consistent over the long term, or even hitting small goals, like a hundred episodes, like a hundred listens an episode or some shit like that. Like very similar to you. I saw you publish something where you had like 6,000 or like five, you know, thousands of, of subscribers people want those millions right away. And it's like, it takes time and consistency so you can continue to refine your product. That's it, man. When I started my YouTube channel, it was, it was, so I, I actually had a YouTube channel in middle school and it was just like reviewing cause the iPhone or the iPod touch had just come out. So apps were starting to be a thing. So I would review apps. I would do giveaways for like promo codes for apps. And like, I, I built that to, you know, a couple hundred at least, if not a couple thousand. And then, and I just got I'm very self-conscious about it and shut it down. Um, but I had, so when I started this channel, it was, I wanted it to be fun. So I wanted to do like, you guys have seen, I've done a lot of challenges. Did you guys lose me? 
Yeah, I can yeah. hear you now though. Okay. Just keep it. You're good. Yeah, you're back. You're good? The okay, connection cool. is is good now. All right, cool. Um, so yeah, so had had built that channel in middle school, and then um, basically when I started this YouTube channel, it was like I want it to be fun. And one of the big ideas I had was just doing fitness challenges or nutrition challenges and documenting that, which I've made a big part of the channel. But then also I'm in this for the long haul. And it's like, no matter how long this takes, I'm going to put out a video at least every single week indefinitely at this point, honestly. Um, and I've, I've done that and it's been fun and it's been really cool to see. And I've had a lot of people ask me like, Oh, how'd you grow your channel? And of course there's like, there's SEO stuff and there's things I know that a lot of people don't in terms of YouTube growth, but like most important factor is consistency because it probably took me a year to get a thousand subscribers, which is like that first big milestone, which a year is a long time. Like it may not feel like a long time, but like when you're in it and you're putting the content out, like it's, it take, it took a while. Um, so yeah, yeah well, just being in it for the long haul, no matter what. What are your keys to content that you found? Ooh, what do you mean by that? I mean, like if the top three things that you do that you think have helped, you know, promote your growth. Okay. Number one, absolutely bulk creation. If I took the time once a week to film a YouTube video, or if I took the time once a day to make my Instagram posts or anything like that, I would burn out very quickly. Um, I have a lot of YouTube videos like queued up pretty much at this point, like probably over two to three months at this point. Um, just because I block out a day, I get it all done and then they're ready to go for a couple months at a time. That's, that's kept me sane. Um, I would say just like loving it too. Like if you're showing up doing content and you're dragging your heels or you're overthinking it of like, what are people going to think of me? Or do I look good in this or any of these other thoughts? Again, you're probably going to just shoot yourself in the foot and stop after a couple of weeks or a couple of months if you're lucky. Whereas like if you're in it for the long haul, when you do content creation, it's not, I'm hoping that this video that I post gets me a client or gets me a sales call or gets me a conversation. It's just, I'm posting this video to provide value for other people. Some people may like it. Great. Some people may not like it. Great. But like, I'm going to put it out regardless. Can we uh, shift a little bit to your mindset? Because for me, it's like, I, I feel like I learn a lot from you and what you post um, from a mindset perspective outside of nutrition. Is there anyone you try and emulate or is there like a couple figures that you really look up to and, and try and study? Um. I'd say a little bit of everyone. So when, when I first started in like 2017, started just becoming obsessed with videos, podcasts, anything personal development is like, I would just consume, 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 consume. Um, Andy Frisella is up there. Obviously he's like one of the OGs. Uh, ET, the hip hop preacher was a big one. Um, I actually got into where Colin and I met the lines den with Sean Whalen he was originally also like a big, big inspiration. Um, and I've actually left that group since, but I, I needed him. He's the type of person where there's like a period of your life where you need him, in my opinion. Like I needed him to kick me in the gear. I needed his like solidified, like he, he has extreme belief in himself, honestly, like an unreal amount. That's just so cool to see. Um, so that was like at that point in my life when I joined, I absolutely needed that. There's been 
I mean, Tony Robbins, like I, I worked for his company for a little over a year and like I learned so much from him. Dean Graciosi was another guy I worked for. Um, it was their shared company. But yeah, I, I'd, I'd say if there's a guy out there who speaks on personal development, I've probably learned from him and integrated his stuff in some way. It's just been like so many things over the years that I've consumed. I mean, you're just always learning, man. You're a learner. And I think that's important regardless if you're if you're in the finance industry, if you're in health, you know, whatever you're in, bro, whatever you're in, I think it's important. I mean, it's hard. Sometimes the personal development space can get a little, I think Kevin and I are a little bit off the personal development space train right now, just because I feel like we were really in it for a long time. And it just, there's certain things that didn't align or make me healthier at a certain point. Um, but I, I think it's always good to be continuing to learn. Is there anything you're struggling with right now? Um, and I'll give you the examples like Kevin and I kind of were, were talking earlier this year about two of the things we struggle with. The first one for for him and probably me it, it, a little bit less. So I think is how do you stay present? The, the one that's so that's maybe more towards Kev. So if you have an answer for that or a thought for that or you struggle with that, I'd love to hear it. And then the second one that I struggle with a lot um, is the internal dialogue, right? Like the way I talk to myself is hilarious bro comparing to the way i would talk to kev or you right like in a situation where i want to punish myself severely i would never ever 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 recommend that advice to you or kev right so it's like how do you stay present or how do you have better conversations with yourself or two of the things we struggle a lot with right now i'm curious if you have any similar like mindset struggles right now presence 100%. And I'd say it, most of it stems from social media and my phone. And that's, I think I mentioned that before is like, I would much rather be present throughout the day and just like be there while I'm doing certain things. But it's so difficult when your attention is scattered, when you can literally just like look at your phone and forget about what you were just doing. And it's just like, that that's my biggest struggle for sure is how do I feel like I'm actually here and I'm actually doing the work and like, I'm aware and like being able to take my mind where it want it, ra- where I want it rather than it just like getting caught up in a wave and, and moving. I got to so imagine, I got to imagine breath work is probably pretty good for you with that. Breath work, ice baths help a lot, a lot, a lot. Meditation helps a lot, a lot. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, if you have all these things and this applies for eating, this applies for pretty much everything else. Um, if you have all these good inputs that you're giving yourself, it still doesn't really matter if you have the bad inputs. So like if you're eating all these like fat burning foods as marketers like to call them, but you're still having the McDonald's and the Burger King and all that stuff, you're probably not going to feel very good. Or like if you're doing the breath work, the ice baths or the meditation, but every 30 seconds you're picking up your phone and you're, you're looking at it, it's probably not doing you much good. Um, so it's that balance. Yeah. So I've, I have one last question and then we'll let you, we'll let you continue with your, with your wonderful day here. But I'm curious as to what the biggest mistake you've made so far as an entrepreneur has been and how you overcame it. Mm. That's a good question, man. I got to say, I was going to say, I don't know. I got it. I got it. Um, I got to say, I, when I when I started this, I really think the biggest mistake was taking people's opinion at too high of a value. Like 
formulating what I do around what I think other people are going to think, like posting around what I think other people are thinking, second guessing myself based on what I think other people are going to think. And like from a performance standpoint, I could still show up and I could still do the things, but I'm not really staying true to myself when I do that. And I'm in no means perfect at that now, but I would say it's a very, very big difference from when I started. Like I'm not, when I post stuff, there's not a thought of like, uh, what if someone thinks this is weird or awkward? Like none, none of those thoughts ever come in anymore. Um, but that was a big thing when I started of just like, how do I overcome this fear of people's judgment, people's opinions, and be able to just stay true to me? How'd you overcome that? Just repetition? Time, honestly, yeah. Repetition and and even just building confidence in myself in other ways through the the mindset work, through getting better at what I do. Um, but I would say, yeah, time, time and repetition were the big antidotes for that. And being around winners, bro. That too. Yes. I can't, can't even like emphasize enough how important that was. That's I mean, changed everything for me. When you change your circle, bro, <laughs> it's wild, man. Yes. It is wild what those people instill within you from a belief standpoint. It's wild. Crazy. Well, brother, we appreciate the hell out of this. Um, I hope we can have you as a reoccurring guest and maybe we're toasting in like two years to you having like three people under you. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what whatever you three be doing. years, dude. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, right, dude. Give, give, him, give him a little bit shorter time horizon. I, uh, I, I'm sorry, I got yeah. some belief here. Well, we're 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 long term oriented thinkers. You said, you know, yeah, that's true. What did you say? I don't know. You said like two a year is a long time. It's like it's funny. I don't. I don't know. I, a year doesn't feel like that long to me, man. Look, looking back, it's not. But when you're in it, when you're yeah, in yeah, it, yeah. things and things aren't going well, mm. a year is a very long time. Where uh, where can people find you? You got a lot of different things and you know programs. And if they want to learn more about you, what what would be the best avenue for that? Definitely Instagram. Um, so Instagram Skyfit. So it's S C H U Y F I T, and you can find all my other stuff, website, YouTube, everything from there. All right, brother. Well, we appreciate the hell out of this. Um, yeah, we appreciate you, you being on here on a Sunday. Absolutely. Yeah, this has been awesome. Thanks for, for the conversation. It's great. Yeah, heck yeah. Heck yeah. Appreciate you guys. All, all right, man. man. Enjoy the ice bath. Peace. Let's go. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Thanks, guys. This is awesome. <laughs>